Writing is the most powerful skill in the world, and this podcast is designed to help you do it better, quicker, and more effectively so that you can become the author of your dreams. My name is Leandre Larouche, I'm your host and the founder of Stellar Writing. Welcome to the Word Leader Podcast, where we talk about how you can use the written word to share your ideas, your expertise, and your message. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, what's up, everybody? In this episode, I am recasting an interview that I did some time ago with Stephanie Nelson, who hosts the podcast Victory Lap. I hope you enjoyed the interview, and I invite you to check out Stephanie's podcast Victory Lap, and I'll talk to you guys soon. episode of Victory Lap. I am your host, Stephanie Nielsen, and I want us to start by thanking you for being here with me today. So glad you joined. Um, if you're like me, you love to learn and grow, and that's why you turned into the show. So let's do that. The quote that makes me think of today's guest is as follow. Words are our most inexhaustible source of magic. You know, I didn't find who created that statement, but I have to say that it absolutely resonates with me. Anyone who knows me or follows me knows that not only am I an avid reader, I mean, I have books all around me, (laughs) but I'm also a writer and I believe strongly that words matter. Not only what we say to ourselves and to others, but also what we think and what we believe have profound impact on our lives. So yes, to me, words are magic. And our guest today helps us to discover the magic within so that we can share our stories with others. Growing up in Northern Quebec in a small and often very cold town, Leandro discovered the world and found warmth in the books that he read. Graduated cum laude, honors from Concordia University. He completed his Fulbright Fellowship in Lycoming College in Williamsport and then fled home as the COVID crisis hit to begin his journey as a writer's coach. Leandre is a great example that you never know where life's journey will take you, that there's no limits, and it's sometimes in the craziest of situations that we find our success. So let's welcome to our show, Leandre LaRouche. today. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. I just think your story is so cool. So I'm really excited that you're here to share it with my viewers. And uh, yeah, so having said that, why don't we start by you uh, sharing a little bit of your background? I mean, in my intro, I mentioned that you were from the north and you grew up in a small town there and, you know, but you went and got this incredible journey in front of you. So why don't you start by telling a little bit in your words, your story, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I grew up in uh, in a tiny little town in, uh, in northern Quebec. And um, so I grew up speaking French. Uh, my parents raised me in French. And so I studied in French my whole life. 
And uh, when I was a, a teenager, I became obsessed with the with the English language. And from as as early as I I was maybe fifteen, I wanted to I wanted to become a writer. And I kind of became a writer by accident. I was just bored out of my mind, and I thought, well, you know, there must be something more. And then I started writing, and I knew that from now on, I would never be bored again. So like there, were, there weren't enough hours in a day. Um, so, so it was clear to me that I would be a writer, but I thought, how, could, how cool would it be to write in English? And to me, for some reason that I don't really understand, I always thought that I needed to leave Quebec. I needed to go somewhere else and reach my potential elsewhere. And so I became obsessed with learning English. And what I did is I enrolled at Concordia University in Montreal, and I took all the English courses I could. Um, so I, I did a honors bachelor's in English literature with a minor in professional writing. So over like 90 credits, that's like 82 like English courses. So that's literally all it is. And um, this really interesting thing happened when I was an undergraduate student, I found out about the writing center at Concordia University. And uh, I thought I need to work there. And uh, I knew that my writing wasn't wasn't necessarily strong in English as a, as a native French speaker, but uh, I tried my best and they ended up hiring me uh, in my in my first year. And it was a it was a really proud moment because I don't think, I don't think my parents actually believed they would hire me, but they did. And the the fun thing is that they don't they don't usually hire you in your first year, but they did for me. So it was that kind of an exception. That is so cool. So far, already in your story, one of the things that I just want to highlight right away is that you get these inspirations, like this desire that was so strong in you to speak English, and you're coming from a French community with French parents. Like, where did that come from? You know. I'm not really sure. I think I often think that we find meaning in like in like trying to beat our odds. And uh, I mean, I can tell you, my parents they they sent me to this um, intensive English program where like it was in my sixth grade of elementary school. So for half a year, we would only study English. Right. And I had an amazing teacher um, who really instilled in me the the passion for learning English and. Um, so that's part of it. But another part of it was just me feeling, I guess, a bit lost. I looked at the at the rest of the continent. I looked at the United States and I, I, I saw this land of opportunities. And um, when I was uh, when I was a kid, I loved heavy metal, like British heavy metal. So like the world I was looking at was English speaking. And so I wanted to be part of that. And you know, what's amazing about this is it was pure intrinsic motivation. Like it never even felt hard because it was so intrinsic. Like there was no external incentives. It was just, it was just for me. That's and so cool. um, I think that's the best kind of motivation you can ever find. And I think, I think that's it. Yeah, that is so cool. And then that led you to being part of the writer's group at Concordia. And you, you know, beating the odds again. <laughs> yeah. And so in this case, I think the odds played for me because 
already by then I would I could already understand grammar and writing in English better than native English speakers because I had to I had to learn it the hard way. It's like I had to cram a bunch of grammar books, which like no one else has read, just because right. it was, I had this. Um, I guess it's like what you call like the underdog's advantage. Yes, and um, so I had a really good understanding. Of English grammar, and on top of that, uh, the writing center they also needed people that could help with French for mm-hmm. people who are taking French majors or um, French courses. So that played in my favor. Mm. Um, but if you're looking at it from the outside, it should have been it should have been a disadvantage. Right, right. But being bilingual is definitely an advantage. My my youngest son is pretty much full bilingual as a result of living in Quebec. And I know that that is definitely an advantage for him. I'm working on it. It's still a <laughs> <laughs> So from Concordia, you ended up getting a scholarship. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? That took you to the U.S. Yes, absolutely. And um, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I always had this dream of, you know, being fluent in English and kind of like beating native English speakers at their at their own game. And, you know, you have to measure success if you want to have um, you have to have some measure if you if you if you want to have success. And one of my measures and I didn't think that it would happen so soon, but I thought if I can make it to the U.S. means I did something right, because especially like for Canadians, we're not super exotic for Americans. And so the way that visas work, uh, they're not going to give it to you unless you're like a little special. Like you need to have done something. You need something that most Americans don't if you want to get that visa. And so I thought, well, first I need to speak English very well. And then second, I need to do something that's a little extraordinary if I want to get there. And so during my undergraduate, I got involved with uh, Fulbright Canada, which is the, the Fulbright Commission um, for Canada. And uh, it was just a one-week institute, but I developed those relationships with them. And then I learned about this fellowship that could send me to the U.S. Uh, to be a French language teaching assistant. And uh, that fellowship is basically designed for people across the world who teach English in their country. And the goal for them to go to the U.S. to a, to a college or to a university and teach their mother tongue. Oh, wow. And so, and so I applied for that fellowship and I got it. And so uh, Fulbright sent me to a, um, to a small liberal arts college in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And so for the year 2019, 2020, I was their French language teaching assistant. And so was also able to audit courses there and um, was truly an amazing experience because um, the American education system is really unique. And especially when it comes to liberal arts colleges, that's something we don't have in Canada. Mm. And um, it was kind of always a dream of mine to study in the U.S., but for uh, obvious financial reasons, it, it, it wasn't accessible. And so right. I got I got that that dream even after I graduated. So it was really kind of amazing. That is so amazing. That is so cool. But one of the things that I really have taken away from your story so far is that you just don't see the limitations. You just go after what you want and believe that you're going to achieve it and don't see the limitations. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so I think when we set our mind on something and we just believe that we'll get we'll get what we need when the when the right time comes it just it just happens because i remember learning english and it's like go like go back five to seven years ago like my english sucked it was <laughs> and i never really worried about it and i mean i looked forward to the future and i thought well like i want to be i want to be this and i didn't really know how that would how that would happen, but it just happened. And I guess it's like, as much as I look back to see where I'm coming from and I look to the future to to see where I'm going, I don't really worry about it too much. And I know that the skills and the beliefs, they just come, they just come when they're due to come. I love that. And I absolutely agree with you, 100%. You know, it's funny because I've been thinking about that myself lately, starting a new business and, you know, where is it going to go and do I need to build a business plan and, you know, all these questions come up, right? And, but the thing that I just keep getting centered at is that everything will open in time, right? Like everything will line up, just keep taking that step forward. And I'm already seeing miracles happen because of the fact that I'm just continuously moving forward. And I don't know where all of this is going to take me and that's okay. Right. That's okay. Yeah. So speaking of taking you places, um, I, I'd like you to tell a little bit about how you were in the States when the whole COVID crisis happened mm-hmm. and what that looked like for you, because you know, it was, I got home because I travel a lot for my corporate job and I got home from traveling in the middle of February, hearing a little bit of a buzz, something was happening and thought, oh, okay, I'll wait a couple of weeks before I book my next trip. And then of course the whole world fell apart, but I'm so lucky I was on Canadian soil when that happened, but you were still in the States. So do you want to share a little bit of that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a fun story, at least for me. And um, I mean, I feel I feel sorry for those who were, you know, in other countries. For me, it wasn't too difficult because I was, you know, several hours away from the from the land border. I know for some people it's been much more difficult, uh, but for me it was just kind of funny because so it was spring break for our college, and um, you know, as you said, it's like we knew there was something going on. We were still kind of making jokes about it, and that semester I was auditing. And then a course on international relations. And, you know, we were talking about global phenomenon. You know, it was obviously a textbook example. And we were making jokes about it in class. And it was um, late February. And um, we didn't really know what was going on. And around March 8th, it was spring break. And I thought, well, what do I do for spring break? And I thought, um, maybe I'll go to California. And I didn't end up going to California. Uh, I, I ended up going to Newport, Rhode Island. There was another Fulbright fellow who was uh, in residence there. So I just, it, it looked beautiful. So I decided to go and, and visit her. So I took a bus from Williamsport to, uh, to Newport, stopping by New York City. And um, it's really silly in hindsight because I was just hanging out. I went to get coffee with a friend and had lunch with another friend, just like hanging out, like in the hot spot. But I anyway, know it. Yeah. <laughs> I get to Newport and 
we're just hanging out and we have another Fulbright fellow who's at Harvard. So we go see him. We hang out in Boston and just do like a little bit of traveling. And then things start getting a little iffy. And, uh, you know, first thing I hear is our college is saying, well, um, students that don't want to come back to the college, they don't have to. And then they cancel in person um, classes for the rest of the semester. And then the president declares national state of emergency. All the European flights are getting canceled. And then it's kind of chaotic. Justin Trudeau says Canadians should come back. And I'm like, oh, well. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm just in Newport. And um, it looks like nothing's going on because it's just like a such a peaceful little place by... I've been to Newport. It is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, I can see. And uh, I'm like, I don't want to go back. (laughs) I don't, like, I want to stay here. And uh, so then I learned that it it would potentially be a problem for Canadians uh, coming back from the U.S., like potentially carrying COVID. And so I I don't want to be a risk to, like, public health. So I should probably, like, get out ASAP and, like, New Jersey was getting like a curfew, I think, and it was like going down. So I thought, okay. And on the Monday morning, I rented a car in Newport and uh, I drove back to Williamsport and rented another car for the next day, just packed all my stuff, said goodbye to whoever I could at the college. And uh, and then I drove back um, through upstate New York and it was kind of terrifying on the radio, like the 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 politics and they couldn't agree on anything. (laughs) I was like, Oh, and so, and so I get back to Quebec and it was funny because I tuned in to like the Quebec radio when I was still in Ontario and um, everybody was kind of loading the premiere for doing such a good job. And I thought, like, I'm safe. I'm home. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I, I went back to, uh, to, to my family because frankly there was, nowhere else to go it was just like panic and um i used to live in montreal but i didn't have a place in montreal anymore so i came back to my family in saguenay and uh, i finished my fellowship uh remotely and then um and then that's when i started the the writing coaching business because that's something that had always been on my mind but i never really had the time or the energy, the resources, et cetera. So being back after my fellowship, I just had all that time on my hand. Right. And, and so that's kind of you're stuck at home. Oh, what are you gonna do, right? Yeah. So this is awesome. And your your coaching business has been going really well from what I understand. Yep. I think that's just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So do yep. you want to tell a little bit about what you do with your coaching business? For sure. So basically my, my primary purpose um, with my writing coaching business is to help people um, grow as individuals and as writers and as thinkers through the written word. So I mainly work with people who want to write compelling books. So what I do is I, I teach them what I call the, the trivium method. And um, the trivium, if you're, if you're not familiar with it, it's, um, it's the lower the lower three divisions of the liberal arts. So it's grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And so okay. for the Greeks... I did not know that. That's very cool. For the ancient Greeks, these are the foundation of a, of a classical education. And so the rest, you have the quadrivium, you have um, music, arithmetic, astronomy, 
and uh, there's a, there's another one I forget. Um, so basically, what I do is I give them simple frameworks that anyone can understand, and so so that they can improve the writing, master the writing process, and take away all the frustration and the confusion from writing and really give them the tools to enjoy writing and do it effectively. I love this. And find the book as well. Yeah, I absolutely love this. I come across people all the time saying that they want to write a book. So it's great to know that I can send them your way. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So I would like to ask you a few little questions if you don't mind. For Um, sure. So the first one is, as you know, you're on Victory Lap, right? So one of my main questions is, how do you maximize your cruise control? So that place in life that you're, you know, feeling good about things, you're in your comfort zone. You know, we always say that the comfort zone isn't the greatest place to be, but I beg to differ. I think that there's things that we can do in our comfort zone to maximize them. So I want to know some of the the things that you do. Mm -hmm. For sure. So so my zone of genius is is really revolves around writing and um you know right now i'm doing a lot on like promoting my business and so really what i do on a daily basis is i i write a lot and um what i do to make sure that i i maximize my time is i i try to create frameworks so that i don't i just have to think about the what and not the how because that can just kind of sucks all your energy sometimes when you don't have a clear idea of like for example like your content strategy um it can get really confusing and that just that just ruins your momentum and um and then you just you you slow down and it's it's not it's not a fun place to be in and so it's uh the way that i think about it it's like when you wake up in the morning if you have to spend a whole lot of time picking your clothes, then it's just like bandwidth you're, you're wasting. And um, I think it was, like you said, um, Steve Jobs, he just always wore the same thing, not have to think about it. And so, and I do this in pretty much all areas of my life. Um, I try to create frameworks. I love mental models. I love with those. Um, so I use a lot of mental models. I use them in my training as well for my clients um, so that they can use them to think about writing. And so I use I use mental models in all areas of my life so I can just think about the what and not the how. And that just allows me to get more done. So that's really cool. So these mental models that you use and you teach your clients, are they things that they can then adapt to different areas of their life as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're applicable. They're abstraction. They're sort of universal. I love it. One example really quickly is um, the map is not the territory. And it's just the idea that any map is flawed. And in order to be useful, a map has to be flawed because it's not, it can't represent the whole territory. I always like to say, you know, when you look at the map of Florida, you don't see, you don't see every swamp. Like it's not useful. Right. And so, and in writing is the same thing. You don't want to, if you're, if you're an expert in the discipline, you don't want to throw all of your expertise in the book. You want to create a journey, a map for your reader to really understand, to, to understand what they need to understand. And you get to decide that. Right. um, Yeah. And another example also is the circle of competence. So for example, if I'm in my small town, 
I know, let's say, I know everything there's to be known about that town. And then an outsider comes in and he starts noticing things. And then he gets the impression that he really knows the town, but he doesn't. And so he has all these blind spots. And then he can put himself in danger because he thinks that he knows more than he actually does. And the best application is is in business. When you start taking risk greater than your than your competence, that's where you you put yourself at risk. Oh, I love that. That's actually really good advice. Really good advice. Okay, so my next question then is, how do you power up your pit stops? Um, you know, we all have it. We go through life and we're thinking everything's going great, and then all of a sudden we blow a tire and we're like, oh, what what do we do now, right? So. Um, how do you get yourself out of those situations that you don't see coming? <laughs> yeah. So I think the prerequisite for me is, um, and I think that would be the prerequisite for, for everybody, but I think what's important first is to really be aligned to our purpose. Cause I can speak about that in terms of what happened to, uh, to me when COVID hit. And basically my plan was to, um, so I was already working on that business and I was just um, just doing things for the business. And I thought I'd launch it in the summer. And then I was planning on going back to school, get some courses at the University of Toronto. And um, But my goal ultimately was to become a university professor. And I think that's something I'm still contemplating. But I knew that underlying it was a a larger purpose, which is to teach people, educate people, help them become better writers, better thinkers, and um, and help them have the the change in society that they want to have. And so, right. when COVID hit, um, I had to pause and reflect, and I thought, well, okay, um, how do I how do I adjust? To what's currently going on without going against like what my purpose is and basically what happened was that I was faced with the opportunity of going all in in my business and that came in the form of a big investment that I decided to make I, I invested in a uh, in a mentorship program that helped me with my business and you know the investment was significant enough that I had to really take this more seriously than I would have and then I decided, you know what? Going back to school can wait. Yes. And I'd rather focus on that business, which ultimately serves the same purpose as if I went back to school right away. And I know I will eventually. Right. Um, and so it was still aligned with my purpose, but then I had to. So I guess it's I look inside and I look outside. I look at what I want, but how do I make it work with what's currently going on? And so in my case, for example, why I was dot in my in my hometown um and uh you know there was a a set of circumstances that i had to that i had to factor in but nevertheless i was able to um to do something that was aligned with the purpose i have right that's awesome and just <laughs> the viewers that don't know quebec i've been to Saguenay, and it is absolutely beautiful but it it's very different from life in Montreal. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in a small town too, so I know this. <laughs> so the last question that I really have for you is how do you celebrate your victories? And I think this is super important because this is what anchors us in the new norm, right? And this is something, this is actually what started the show for me. My best friend called me out on the fact that I don't celebrate my victories enough. 
I'm always focused on where I want to go. And with her calling me out on it, I started to think about it. And I'm like, yeah, I need to start being happy about where I'm at today. And this actually is where the whole concept of the show came from. So having rambled there for a minute, tell us how you celebrate your victories. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's funny because um, I too think that I don't take enough times to celebrate my victories. And, you know, I'm always looking to like what I haven't accomplished yet, which, you know, can be a bit of a problem, but um, really, and especially since I've been focusing on my business, um, what I tend to do is that there are activities that are more important than others. And so, for mm -hmm. example, like right now, my business is a priority. And within my business, there are activities that I need to focus to focus on. So like, for example, like the revenue generating activities, um, because if you don't focus on those, then you go bankrupt. You don't have a business. You can't help people. Exactly. So, <laughs> so what I tend to do is because funny enough, and I think that's the same for everybody, like the things that we really want to do is like the things that shouldn't be a priority. Like the non-revenue generating activities yeah. are always more fun yes. than the revenue generating activities. And, um, you know, there, there are things or like writing projects and there's a book that I'm working on as well. And so I have all these other projects. And so when I want to celebrate my victories, I kind of pause and slow down and allow myself to work on these other things that I might prefer to work on and, that maybe don't drive a profit or that really don't do anything except like that I enjoy them. Right. And, and so that's one of the ways um, in which I celebrate my victories. I just allow myself to kind of lean back and do things that I normally wouldn't allow myself because, you know, there are other priorities. I love that. I love that. And like you, I am a, a driven person. So I love that idea of saying, you know what? I've done something that needed to be done and I can celebrate by doing something that I want to do. Still being motivated, still being driven, but just, you know, allowing myself to enjoy. Yeah. I love that. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wanted to find you, where would they find you? Yeah, so um, you can find me on social media. You can also visit my website. It's uh, stellarwriting.co. Mm -hmm. So all the information about my writing coaching is there. Um, but aside from that, you can find me on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. And uh, yeah. your name or under Stellar Writing? Yes. Stellar Writing? Yes, yeah, Stellar Writing. And okay. um, the website is stellarwriting.co. co. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So enjoy yourself on the segment. Yeah. All right. Take care of you. Thank you so Take much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Wow. What a cool guy. You know, my biggest takeaway from Leandro's interview is when he said that being the underdog was his advantage. What an amazing insight. How many opportunities have we missed because we 
thought we fell short when really it was that exact reason that would have made us victorious. Definitely something to think about. Well, this wraps up another episode of Victory Lab. But if you'd like to see more, you can check it out at my website, www.victorylab.ca. You can also see my personal website at stephanienielsen.ca. And you can follow me on Facebook and Insta at stephanienielsen.ca. If you want to learn more about me, see some of the different products that I offer and, you know, just check out what I'm doing. Well, I guess that's it. So again, thank you so much for watching today. And until the next lap, ciao, ciao. hope you enjoyed today's episode and if you did there are a couple of ways you can show your appreciation you can share this podcast to your social media you can tell about it to a friend or a family member and you can leave a review on the podcasting platform you are currently using now if you're curious about how to go from information to transformation i want to talk to you So I'll invite you to go to our website, StellarWriting.co. It's StellarWriting.co. And there you will be able to book a free consultation to talk to me privately about how to go from where you are to being able to write compelling books. So it's StellarWriting.co. Additionally, you can follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn with my name, Leon Larouche. That's L-E-A-N-D-R-E space L-A-R-O-U-C-H-E. And you can find Stellar Writing on Instagram at Stellar underscore writing, as well as on Facebook at Stellar Writing FB. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will talk to you in the next one.